Hello and welcome to the third episode of the Raw Life Podcast, the podcast where I talk to strangers about their life experiences. My name is Paul and I'm joined by our guest Craig. So would you like to give us a little introduction about yourself, Craig? Yeah, sure, Paul. Uh, I'm a Australian by uh, all accounts. You can hear the voice. So g'day to your listeners and uh, located uh, in Queensland, Australia. So not a not a bad part of the country out here. Um, thanks for having me on your show as your third episode. <laughs> That's not, not a problem, not a problem. So we've got a little bit of an introduction, uh, questions to ask. So, Craig, how old are you? I'm 47. Okay, okay, okay. And I've been having had a quick look at your channel. So you do podcasting as well, which is people with a passion. Yeah, that's correct. Is that what you do for a living? So I, my core business is basketball as a coach. And I also started a podcast network at the start of the year called Applaudable.net. Oh, very, very nice. Can you tell us a little bit more about them both? Sure. So I uh, coached basketball for the last 30 years uh, outside of high school. I decided that I love the sport that much that I pretty much married it and um, become somewhat obsessed and pursued it as a passion. So that sort of links into the people with a passion, but we can talk about that a little bit later. But so pretty much that's what I've done um, a third of my life when I haven't been working in real jobs. I've always pursued basketball. And right now I run a private basketball academy. That's very, very interesting. How does a private basketball academy work? Is it, is it like where people just obviously pay for the lessons? Yeah. So, so I have two different programs. One's called the Rookies Program. Yeah. And the other is called Oswish Academy, which is for seniors. So ages pretty much eight or nine through to 14 is the rookies. And then if their dexterity and skills and height um, sees them ready to move up, we move them up into the academy program, which is more or less from 14 through to age 25. So it, it caters to youth, uh, both male and female, but primarily male dominated. And it is skill, a skill improvement or development program and we like to enter them in tournaments if we can to help them help the athletes um, apply what they learn at the academy level. Uh-huh. That sounds really, really interesting. Nice. I didn't expect basketball. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm short. I did play, but never made any sort of professional ranks here. So the only way I could make any coin out of basketball was to, to coach. So coached at several like lower levels here in Australia and uh, worked as a regional development officer for a couple of years on a program called the JAMS program uh, and that sort of sort of went with things after high school. I did study at uni but uh, after I got my degree my parents said what do you want to do and I said well you said if I got a degree to fall back on I could do basketball so that's what I did. <laughs> <laughs> That, that's actually really, really cool. It's it's nice that you had that backup plan though as well, even though obviously like your passion was basketball and I believe like your passion now is like podcasting as well. Yes, yeah. So I I tend to pursue things that make me happy or that, that I've I've loved, you know, in life. I've, I'm not one for conforming too much. So I'm a bit of a lone wolf. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I tend to latch on to things and say, well, this is what I'm going to do and often to the detriment of a personal life because I don't sort of drink, I'm not married, I don't have kids and their choices, life choices that I've sort of arrived at based on my pursuit of happiness. And uh, and yeah, I like I like my own company, but at the same time, I like 
working and helping others and then when I get home I can just have my me time and be a, a person who likes my own company. But I like the idea that you've got your own space and you've got your own company as well. I'm a person that likes my own space as well so I understand how you feel and sometimes you just need that time to relax to yourself and have like your own thoughts and ideas. Yeah absolutely so it's good that uh, you are on the same wavelength as me in that regard because a lot of people find that as unusual but I think for me, it was always something that I don't have a second thought about the things I don't have because the old saying, you don't know what you've never had or don't miss what you never had. So, yeah. you know, it, it has always worried my parents and uh, others around me more than it's ever worried me. So um, I just focus on the things I enjoy doing, which seems a bit selfish, but at the same time, I probably wouldn't devote the time and energy to you know, kids and a family that, that I've devoted yeah. to my endeavours like with work and, and things of that nature. So I think if I'm to be honest with myself, I would have to say that the, the choices I've made have been somewhat selfish. Selfish always seems as a, like a harsh word, but sometimes you have to be selfish. Like sometimes you have to work on your own goals like that much that maybe you ignore a few people so you can progress with your own career and then try and get back to people because you've got to put the time and effort into help yourself first. Yeah, I, I would say that's where I'm at. Not everyone sees the world the same probably you and I though so so it's good to connect with someone who sort of sees the world in the same way but I think I think it comes down to what narrative you actually accept yeah like what's the actual story yeah you're told you know you're told that you should have a wife and that you should have kids and you should have a house and you should have this and you should have a degree and which I do but you know all the things you should have and and i think that you know you're conforming to some norms there and and i was never sort of a conformist in those regards so for me i never thought about what everyone else was saying you should do i i just thought well i try certain things and at the end of the day you know if it doesn't make me happy or i'm in a mo emotional roller coaster then i go well why would i want to put myself through something like that on a regular basis so i found that my solitude is where my happiness is okay yeah i, I like that i respect that that's that's a that's a very good way of thinking of it as well shall we move on to some of the questions then craig absolutely throw some at me i i, I must say interesting to to not know what's coming so we'll see that, that's what i like to hear so I've upgraded now, so I've got like a wheel with a number of different questions on, so I'll just spin it and we'll get some random ones. And the two main ones I want to ask, I asked I asked the last two guests as well. So the first question is, what's the best thing that's ever happened to you in life? That's an interesting question. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's an interesting question because it's, it's a, a question that it almost makes you think, if you're having a good life, it's very hard to pick yeah. something that stands out. So, so for me, it's um, I think it's yeah, probably taking on endeavours and, and and choosing things to do, and then pursuing those and actually achieving them, following processes to actually arrive at a, a destination or an outcome that you set about to to achieve. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So if I were to give examples of that, like establishing, when I first went self-employed over 12 years ago, that was a huge step. So Yeah, that's a, that's a big step, very risky. Yeah, so that's the best thing that happened to me is, you know, the experience or the epiphany that that was a good decision, but that only comes after you make the jump and you've realised that, you know, when it's sink or swim, that you can survive. And then you question again, was it worth all the years that you worked for other people? But then I realized, you know, you, you have to, to gain experience that gets you ready to make the jump yourself. So 
So yeah, I think that was probably a big achievement or, or something that I enjoyed was going into business for the first time. Are you, are you proud that you did it of yourself as well? Did it, did the risk work? Do you feel good about it? Yeah, for sure. I, I, I think it, it is worthwhile and I think where I'm an advantage over several people is because I don't have the family, the mortgage and the kids, yeah. I can take that risk without any serious repercussions to others and I think that's that's probably where it's less selfish in the sense I can pursue those passions and those things that others may not because I can I can do that without it affecting someone else in an adverse way if if that obsession is too unhealthy then it can be adversely affect those around you and I'm lucky enough that I haven't affected people in a bad way while I pursue business or something like that yeah I think that's good because obviously you've gone up this solo and obviously there's no like obviously like kids or mortgage or repercussions so the only risk obviously is yourself so you're not harming anybody else as well yeah no absolutely so so yeah and, and I think that minimizes the risks I guess if, if I think about it in that way, I haven't sort of pondered that too much. So good question. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry if it's made you ponder that way. <laughs> you're, you're about raw life and if you're not yeah. asking questions so, or if when people ask you questions, it's good. It's insightful. It makes you think. Yeah. Okay. okay. I think that's a very positive. I mean, I do like that you started like your own business. It seems to have been going strong if it's been like 10 years. So congratulations to yourself, Craig. So so the basketball business has been going three years. I wound up the one that I did 12, um, started 11 years ago, which was IT. So, but it was ready. I was ready to move on. That's it. So I did an overlap with my basketball business oh nice i was working basketball and um it with a business called rsu computer solutions and i decided that i had had enough of the industry not so much enough of the industry yeah things had moved and changed so much because when i first started you know i was fixing desktops and we didn't have ipads and we didn't have laptops and all these throwaway items and people weren't on a mobile phone that could pretty much do what their computer could do so now we're right, in a situation right. where there's a lot of stuff that's throw away and, and the, the the work dropped off so I decided I changed the way I did business for the last five years of the business um, went from hourly rates to, to set rates and that kept the business afloat but for the last two to three years of that business I, I had to come up with an exit strategy so back to basketball it was. Ah, how was it actually exiting one business, like your first business, moving across to basketball? How was that transition? Quite easy. Oh, really? It sounds very like tough and completely. Obviously, they're different, uh, completely different. So I, I assumed it would be tough. Mm. So, so the difference is, I think, moving from IT to to basketball is the clientele. Obviously, is different with what I was doing with computers. This is the other thing is like when I started my computer business, I probably had a third of my customers would have been my age or older. And then probably a third of those, sorry, two thirds were older than me. And a third yeah. of those were probably seniors. And if you go back 10 years and I had a lot of customers, 65 to 70, you can only imagine 10 years later where they sadly ended up as clientele. So I saw a lot of people pass away in the time that I did work for them. And then there's the technology change and things. However, going from the IT side of things to basketball wasn't really a problem because basketball I do on a weekend. 
So I didn't do my IT job on, uh, you know, weekends. I only did weekday work with it. I made sure that I only worked between certain hours. Otherwise, you get called out and get called every hour of the day. And I just wasn't prepared to do that. So, yeah, I, I, it was easy to make the transition because I just started to, re- as I increased my workload with the basketball, I reduced my workload with the IT side of things. Oh, okay. So it was just like a gradual... Uh, transition out of it until it went to basketball okay that's interesting yeah so until i could sustain a living because I, I started to move into schools and coach at schools and things like that which then replaced the the work that i did and then because i had t- like so i was working mornings and afternoons at schools and up until COVID, anyway um i have been back in schools more recently but, but yeah i was working schools mornings afternoons and i could drop the computer stuff so i wound that up june of last year and that's when podcasting became a thing for me yeah because i started people with a passion because i had time on my hands during the day um the main core part of the day so that's why i thought is okay what's what's my new hobby now that basketball is my business ah, okay how are you finding podcasting as, as a whole yeah it's pretty fun i i did it as a youtube channel i've done two seasons and i'll do a third next year so I'm, yeah. I'm resharing some of the content on the People With A Passion YouTube channel. Uh, but I've learned a lot. I think as you probably experiencing starting your podcast and, yeah. and I have been guesting on some podcasts, so I appreciate that we've connected to, to you know, have me guest today. So I appreciate that. <laughs> that's no problem. We've got to thank Redis and thank you for getting in contact. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. So this is my first Discord. Uh, I've used Discord before, actually. Funny story there is I got kicked out of it this I, I was um, on. I was on Twitter. Yeah. And there was this. I was following someone on Twitter, and they sent me a link, a private message, to join their Discord channel. And I thought, oh, that's pretty cool. And I looked at their, you know, sort of did a bit of a stalk and had a look. And I thought, yeah, okay, they got some similar sort of views, perhaps to me. So yeah. I went off their channel and. And they had a heap of engagement, people talking, and I started to give my opinion on life, sort of like you've asked me to do today. Like, yeah. And then all of a sudden, the the moderator just went really south on me, and I think he was really right politics, and um, had all these disagreements, and he kicked me off his <laughs> Discord channel and blocked <laughs> me on Twitter, and I'm like, are you serious? I don't even remember what. But I obviously he didn't take lightly to whatever it was. Got he got into I got into an argument within minutes. I'm thinking, well, you invited me. Like, what the hell is that? Well, hopefully, like your second Discord experience will be a lot better than your first. Yeah, I was like, so when you said connect via Discord, I was very distrusting. I'm thinking, oh, this could be a troll. <laughs> no, 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 troll. Just in ten minutes now, I'm just going to kick you out. <laughs> <laughs> the, I couldn't believe it. They they actually blocked it, like the message on messages on Twitter and I, the account. I couldn't follow it anymore. I'm like, are you? I was like, what the hell is that? I don't even. It was I hardly said anything in the group. I, I'm guessing they may have like like while I was stalking them, they probably stalked me and go, nah, this yeah. guy's not from my group, you know. But yeah, at yeah. the end of the day, that that's my. This is my second experience using Discord. So ah, okay. So oh, right then, Craig. For the next question. What's the worst thing that's ever happened to you in life? I've lived, as I said, I've, I've lived a bit of a lone wolf type life. So I guess the, the risks aren't there as far as, as, you know, I think jobs that I've done that I haven't enjoyed. Okay. <laughs> so, so, so yeah, like where, you know, my probably my, my first experience out of uni, what I'd say is a great one when I, I did, I did graphic design. I didn't go straight into basketball as a paid 
it was probably four or five years before I sort of got a paid gig in basketball while still doing it as a lot of people yeah. do with patterns it turns into an income later but at a uni my very first job was a pretty bad experience and and had like workplace bully there one of the oh, printers really? there me against the wall he's a bikey with you know bald head typical stereotypical tattoos everywhere yeah he's a trading like a printer and um and i was quite short and he was quite tall so he always had fun not that I'd ever worried me too much because there's others working there who's just a typical bully, but it didn't affect my personality or self-esteem in any way. Um, yeah. I never really worried about it. But, but the job itself, the people who operated that job had questionable, questionable business practices. So only young and I'd be sitting at a desk and next to me was my boss. I was, I was doing graphic design and, and the phone would ring and they owed people a lot of money, like seriously, big bucks. Oh. Yeah, and 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 the phone would ring, and my boss would turn around and say, hey, "Craig, it's for you," and I would literally look at her and 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 I'd pick up the phone because we were only a desk away from each other. She'd hang up, and I'd answer the phone, and they'd say, "Is this Craig?" And I'd say, "Yes," and they go, "Oh, you're meant to be paying an invoice for rah rah rah," and I just like give my boss the desk. <laughs> like, what the hell have you thrown me into? I didn't even do invoices or anything. Like I didn't, oh it wasn't my, my job, you know, got me in. And, and um, you know, I found out later, I left, I was there, did my traineeship, got out and there was a secretary there that I was friends with. And she told me for like the next four or five or six months after I was there, my name yeah. became the name that every time money was owed, oh, Craig was looking after that, he's left. Oh so, my god, that's mental. So that's you, you ask about a bad experience. Not that that tainted my name to anyone yeah. other than them, but yeah, I'd like that they, they were just using that as an excuse. And I probably expected nothing less, knowing what their business practices were actually like. So that's insane. Like that, they'd always obviously use your name with the money. I mean, I'm, I'm really glad that you've left that place. <laughs> Yeah, no, it didn't stick around long. It was it was an eye opener how it's interesting when I say it's an eye opener how not to do business. Yeah. The individuals that ran that business, the person that I actually worked for had uh, been bankrupt and her five husbands prior to her had also been bankrupt and her it actually might have been her four husbands and her fifth was was in the same business area as like he wasn't graphic design but he had a business she had a business and they were in the same building and um he was going bankrupt too but but they were transferring stuff out of his business's name because he owed a lot of money um into her business um on on invoices for things that weren't done so i thought you know there was we're talking like a lot of money and i just thought to myself wow um how can they do this like morally and ethically and i just that was a bad experience um it taught me you know it made you feel sick to your stomach to see what they could do and not think and worry about the repercussions yeah. of their actions so they had they obviously it, it seemed like they had no conscience pretty much exactly i i, I didn't understand it i i could tell you a million stories from that i'll tell you a story <laughs> from that place yeah. <laughs> um, it's a long time ago now, so they'd, only they would know who they are. They, they were going out to look at some equipment to purchase it, and my boss came out of the office where her husband was, and she appeared pregnant and, ca and said to me, do I look pregnant? And I said, yes, you look pregnant. <laughs> and yeah. she's, she's got a cushion that's been taped to her to make her look pregnant. Oh, because no. They're going out to buy this equipment 
and they were using this. So it was a con, basically. They were had for the last couple of weeks or months they'd been saying that she was pregnant when she wasn't to these people that they're going to buy the this machinery from. And yeah, that's that was the way they operated. So they'd use obviously methods to con people. So I, I'm a little bit confused. So if you're pregnant, do you get discounts or better deals at this place? No, I think it's sympathy. I think they play ah. the sympathy. I think for whatever reason, it's like, oh, you know, we've got a baby on the way. We can't um, yeah. afford to spend that on that equipment, you know, um, yeah. and, and things of that nature. And, you know, th there was there was a company that had lost their two sons in a car accident, another story. What the hell? Yeah, so, so yeah, and, and they were going, they were trading in this equipment. So I won't say what the equipment was, but so they yeah. go to this business premises where these parents had built this business up in the expectations their sons would take it over. And they persuaded them, instead of selling the equipment and selling the business, that they should buy a piece of equipment that they had on the floor to expand the business before selling it. And they sold them a piece of equipment that they didn't own that was under consignment. The family gave them the money and said, yeah, they already lost their two sons. They gave them the money for the piece of equipment, and then the actual person that they gave the money to—so uh, they so they got the money from—they were meant to pass on to the owner of the equipment. Well, the owner of the equipment didn't get that money, so he goes to the business premises to repossess the the machine at a business where they just not long lost their two sons in a car accident. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I could go. I could go on. I could go on, but I won't because the That's more I say, insane. the more. So I, I think it taught me very early that world like like that there are people in the world that that just take advantage and, and understand how to manipulate people and or the system and and that was yeah. it, it's unbelievable to to think so that's the bad that's probably morally and ethically that was one of the hardest things for me for me to do was to turn up and and i should have known there was a problem because the very first week i got a pay they paid me by check check yeah. oh i told them never to pay me my wages by check ever again and they didn't they always paid cash after that ah, oh they paid cash they paid cash in a pay packet <laughs> yeah and, and it, was, it was recorded but funnily enough when i left the business and lodged my tax return the next year and in fact i know the tax office got them in the end but here in australia but they i lodged my tax return the the tax yeah. office had no record of me ever paying tax the business ever giving it really there's no record so, no so i had to go sign a stat deck because i had all my pay slips showing what i owed in tax i had to go and get a statutory declaration to say that i actually had a uh, had paid the tax that was on my pay slips the tax yeah. office accepted that because i didn't get a group certificate from them see so they turned around and said well, actually, the amount that they've been calculating in your wages was actually incorrect anyway. You should have been paying more tax, so you actually owe us X amount of tax. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, so they weren't paying the tax, and, and, and they said even based on what they were calculating, you technically owed us more anyway, so you're going to have to pay the difference, um, and we'll get the money off them later. <laughs> So, so I'm going, oh, my God. So, yeah. So interestingly, the woman that I had worked for was an accountant. And I think she yeah. just knew how to work the system to the point that it didn't surprise me that all her previous husbands 
had become bankrupt because I yeah. think they were being bankrupted and the money was somewhere, but where it was, no one knew because they were very good at hiding it. So they're probably living in the Bahamas now. <laughs> I'm very, very surprised that each husband sort of didn't learn off the last time, especially if it was like constantly like bankrupt. Yeah, but I, don't, I wonder whether it was a scam. But yeah, look, that's a long story and um, yeah. without identifying anyone. But but yeah, it's it's probably a, something that, you know again you've asked me to reflect on and if i think of the worst things that happened in my life that was probably one of the worst experiences that i i sort of had was 13 months of living in a morally corrupt business environment working in like a corrupt business for just over a year that's got to be stressful that's got to be very very stressful and you said the environment was sort of like bullies they weren't but the, there was one bully like most of the guys that, yeah it's just one individual that came in yeah. and um decided he'd have it over everyone and, and everything like that. And I never took much, uh, you know, I just stayed away from him. We work in different sections. Um, and I just sort of like, nah, I'd like, like, yeah. he, you know, occasionally he'd just be an idiot. So, yeah. so you know, <laughs> he, it was, I guess it was the days he was having a bad day. So, and I was more or less pretty much always happy despite what was going on at work. I, I never allowed, allowed those things to in, impact me in such a way by the by the end of the 12 months because i did a traineeship so it was 12 months so I, I wrote it out that's the thing is it was a decision that if i don't ride this out i'm not going to get you know my certificate in graphic design which came after my uni degree so yeah. um i did like a it's like an internship type structure that we have out here i've just uh, spun the wheel as well and the, the first question that comes up is do you hold any grudges against anybody no, I, I don't at all. And some people may well hold them against me, which is something I don't understand because any, well, I think it two, takes two to tango in any sort of disagreement or argument in your life. I do yeah. I do feel like I'm able to move on and I, my mum says she doesn't understand how I can do that, like not harbour any, you know, I, I don't know, hatred or anger towards anyone. But at the yeah. end of the day, there's 7 billion people on the planet. I don't expect everyone to like me. Like I never have from the age of a very young age, I understood that, that you're not going to please everyone all the time and you're not going to agree with everyone all the time. And if someone doesn't like you, there is really nothing you can do. Exactly. It's impossible. Like you can't control how people view you or think. Now you think you might be able to, but yeah, I, I, you know, I'm not perfect by any stretch, but at the same time as anyone else, that's my thoughts on it. I think that's actually a good way of thinking of it personally. Well, from my, my perspective as well, you can't expect everybody to like you. It's just some people try and force you. Yeah, I think you can be fake and try and force the, the, the expectations of others. Yeah. I think you have to be socially, you know, responsible in the way you behave with people. And whenever I've had falling out with people, yeah, uh, it's normally because I've it's been two to tango. So meaning I've had a disagreement with them. I've sworn at them. Maybe look, I think of one instance where I've done that. And that's why I'm sort of saying it's that there's not many. Look, there's probably more people that hate me who I wouldn't know about. <laughs> and, 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 and then, but then I also learned, seeing we're talking about real life, is we really don't know each other. There's only a handful of people we really actually get to know. Yeah. And, and I think as I've got older and, and with people with a passion, I've identified that. It's something about age 40, a lot of people question their life. I, I like to, we just call it a midlife crisis or I say it's a life audit. Like you get to this, I think you question what you've been told for the last 20 years of your life, that, you know, all the expectations, you, you sort of pause and 
you, you have a, a sort of a reinvention of yourself. And I see this with people with a passion. A lot of people start their passions or start to question, you know, what's it all about? Is their life fulfilling? And maybe that's part of that's because a lot of them have their kids are grown up and they can start living yeah. a different life. Uh, now, I haven't had that. So, but I certainly had some experiences that made me question myself as a, as a person. And yeah, and, and I, I do wonder whether the other people have assessed themselves, but I've come to peace with, fact that you know i had wronged certain people but at the same time after i had they made my life a living hell like i killed their grandmother or something so (laughs) i never i never went out on the attack after having a disagreement with anyone and i have had that experience where people have gone out to try and i would say at the time destroy my character or destroy me because we had that disagreement i don't understand that and i still say hello to some of those people and I'm sure in their head they go, how is this guy still smiling at me and saying saying hello? Because I might cross paths with them and I'll always acknowledge them. So yeah. I don't hold a grudge. So I don't understand how people can't move beyond a disagreement. That's an interesting way of thinking of it because there's obviously like different levels of grudges as where it's like, ah, oh, this, this guy's annoyed me or this person's like really like, really got under my skin. Yeah. i tell you one thing I've learned is a couple of times I've unfriended people on social media and that's yeah. a big mistake apparently today. Um, that doesn't win you any friends. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't understand that either. I had, had an individual who, when I was speaking to them, they were extremely negative and every time I would talk with them, they were a friend and I just like, and in the end, it was just that negative. I just said, I can't do this anymore in the sense of everything you have to say is just is nothing positive to, to say. And, and um, it was getting quite ugly, you know, because it was just, it was just I, was, I was in a different space. Like we'd been friends and I'd moved on. And then everything I was doing at this other place, it was just they had nothing good to say about it. And in the end, I thought, why are you doing that? Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. So... In the end, I actually unfriended them. Well, they just had nothing good to say to me, to anyone else, like about me to anyone else. So, you know, they're, they're the sorts of experiences you have that you just shake your head and go, okay, I don't know what that's about, but I, I obviously don't need to be friends with that individual because it's becoming dangerous to the extent that, you know, they're saying things behind you back to others that are just fabrications. Um, I know that they told some individuals that I was being sued by Survivor. <laughs> So, really? Yeah, just weird falsity that's just so fake. It's just just doesn't make any sense. I always find it strange when people always make up stories behind your back. Like I had a few stories made up uh, behind my back as well. I think sometimes you just got to have a limit where even if it's like some friends, you just got like, okay, this is too far. Like this person's bad for me. I need to cut them off. Yeah, look, look, you, you're entitled to who you have in your circles and who brings value to your life. And I think, and as selfish as that sounds, you you have to eliminate those people who don't have your best interest why would you keep someone around like you like that like that that can be a tough decision if it if the person has a meaning to your life but what i learned is a lot of the people i had falling outs with that, that then went on to you know cause trouble for me i, I actually in the sense of you know just rumor yeah you leave organizations and things like that you have no control again over what's said and some of the stuff that would come back to me was just you know you just dumbfounded because you know it's not real in the sense of you know i can't go into the stories not that they're they're not that bad they're just stories though they're just total falsities and um 
and you just go, well, it just makes no sense that people go out of their way to do it. And you've obviously experienced that yourself. And I think we all have. This is the interesting thing is I don't think that experience is unique to me. I think everyone's had that experience. Oh, I, I agree. I'm sure everyone has that. The thing is, no, it's weird that friends always like talking behind your back like sometimes can be a common experience. It's strange, obviously, when you class them as friends and then you need to cut them off. And there's all there's all little bits and bobs that are joined together to create this where it's got to the point where it's like, okay, I need to cut this person off and this isn't normal. Yeah, sure. If you identify that early, you're lucky. But if you're not very good identifying those sorts of people that could potentially cause trouble down the track as far as um, just saying nasty things about you. You know, I, the funny thing is, is I, I when I pondered those individuals, and there's only a handful of them, thank goodness, at the same time, these individuals that I actually have experienced that with, when I thought about what value they actually brought to me, it was very little in the sense that, you know, I really, again, didn't know them as people. But they certainly knew how to get stuff out of me because I did a lot of stuff for them um, that was like for free and that, that was giving of my time. And when I thought about it, I thought these people, I, I, like, I don't deserve this given what I actually have done for them. And, and that makes it even more strange. It's like, well, these people just don't see any value. It's like you have no value to them anymore. So then they just go out to destroy you because they no longer have value, like any value from you. And it's, and it's, yeah. and you know, and like I say, I'm lucky that it's only a handful of, of people like in the past and hopefully not something that'll ever continue to the future. But, but I think, again, we've all had that though. I don't think my experience is any different to anyone else's. Yeah, it's just a common experience now, but it's still an experience that helps you grow. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, those individuals, a um, couple of them put up barriers uh, or tried to, and, and it actually made me more work outside the system so they actually helped me in the end most people would look at it and go you know i'm talking about like writing letters and silly shit like that to, yeah. to, to try and cause trouble like like within my sporting background and um writing letters to say that you know why is this person teaching coaches when he's no longer part of the structure you know the system that we're like because i have the private academy it's like why is he allowed to do this now that when he's not part of our structure anymore and things like that, um, which was a good question. But at the same time, it's just about control. It's like I can coach anyone I want to coach and I can coach coaches and I've been coaching for a long time and educating coaches. And it's like, again, why would you go out of your way to write a letter? That's just that's just vindictive and it hurts the sport and it hurts, hurts athletes. It hurts coaches. Like I'm there to help coaches. I'm there to help the sport. So to think that someone could go and write a letter to a governing body like a state body and that's just vindictive and at the end of the day those people i guess get seen for what it is like if if i don't tell people who that vigil is i know who it is but yeah at the same time it's just disappointing to think that they go out of their way to try and destroy you like and what you're doing when you're trying to do something that's bringing value to other people's lives and you you also did that for them it really does hurt that's that's the thing because I, I believe some people are literally just put on this planet just to hurt other people. Yeah, I, I like to think that's not the case. I like to think that we all have the ability to... And, like, I speak like I'm perfect. I'm not. I'm far yeah. from it. I mean, you know, like, I've been party mm -hmm. to those situations that there's a reason they don't like me in the sense that, you know, we had a disagreement over different things. And, and yeah. the difference is my way of dealing it with it is obviously different to theirs. And my way of dealing it with it was to remove myself from their circle. Yeah, I think that's a good idea, like to, to remove yourself from a, from a negative circle. Yeah, and when I did that, well, that's when everything becomes 
a nightmare, doesn't it? So, because you because you remove yourself and then you leave them. It's no different, not different with that job that I just I told you about. Actually, I don't really compare it to it, but it's no different to them then saying for the next X amount of months, person's chasing money. Oh, Craig was looking after that. He's left now. But, but I, expect, I expected nothing less than that because of the way they operated. They were doing it when I was in the business, like like the phone would ring and say, hey, um, Craig, it's for you. And pick up the phone and it's someone on the other end asking for money and you're not even responsible for accounts. It's like just, and, and they're sitting, the boss is sitting next to you. <laughs> Maybe I'm just too... Um, I've got the wool still pulled too far over my eyes, and you're you're <laughs> some people who just put on the planet to be pure evil yeah. is is probably maybe it. I just don't see that, but maybe that is it. I, I like to think that there's human potential, and and people can be compassionate and empathetic, and, and all those sorts of things. There was a quote from Matthew McConaughey which I I really really liked, and he says that we've all got two wolves in us, a good one and a bad one. They both want to eat. You just got to feed that good wolf a little bit more than the other one. Yeah, look, I, I think that's true. Like like as I just said, I wasn't completely um, perfect. Yeah, innocent of of conflict in that regard. Like I'm sure I, my. My ugly wolf read its head at the time of disagreements, um, and and probably still and still does. Like, like we're just human. That's just a human behaviour. It's how you respond to it. Yeah, it is right. Are you ready for the next question, Craig? I guess I will be. Have you ever been in love? Yes, I have been in love, okay. and uh, uh, without going too far into all that, because it's, it's, it's uh, what I will say is that's <laughs> a very long time ago. And I haven't yeah. pursued for a very long time and in, in the sense that it's not something I... Actually, I'll put it this way. My experience with it was very up and down um, to the point of jealousy and I didn't like the person that I'd become. So in the end, it was one of my justifications for saying, okay, if you're not a person that can actually be in a relationship and, and be comfortable that you can trust and it's not worth pursuing that if it makes you miserable and happy like you're on some sort of emotional roller coaster every minute of the day that's not healthy so for me it was just a life choice that said hey you don't need that so um by the way it went south that relationship so um for me it was like it was like that was it for me i just like ah, i'm not getting back on the bandwagon i'm gonna do my own thing and that's exactly what i've done for a long time okay okay well we won't get into more depth in that because you said like you know a, a simple version of it <laughs> yeah 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 without going too much into yeah. it i, I well, here's, here's the thing is I, I think that our human experience and love in particular or anything that is of value to our lives is linked to emotion. And if you want to think like, like best way to probably put it is if you listen to a song from, you know, a decade ago that brings up memories, good ones or bad ones, it's a trigger. And I think what happens is if, and I, I do this quite frequently, is I'll sit quietly and I'll ponder different experiences I've had in my life. And what I find is if I sit and start a journey, like using my mind to go back in time uh, and think about things, normally the things that I remember are the things that have some form of emotion linked to them. So you can put yourself in a really good space thinking about all the happy times you've had and you can also take yourself to some dark spaces thinking about the bad experiences and what i feel is that our mental health is quite linked to people in the relationships we have as we've just been dis discussing you know yeah. and i think that for me the stability or my mental stability requires me to be happy a lot because i guess it comes back to that dark wolf uh, you know uh 
yeah. good wolf sort of scenario is is like I, I drank when I was younger through uni and I couldn't remember some of the nights I partied and I just made a decision if I can't you know, your friends tell you you did stuff that just was out of character I'm like well I can't take that risk and not have control of, of that wolf you know what I mean yeah. like how dangerous is is that and that's a and people go oh you don't drink you know if you're socially at a party or whatever and they go oh you don't drink it's like I don't go into the story, but I say, no, I don't. And, uh, and you know, society can put pressure on you in some environments where you don't drink alcohol. But at the end of the day, I knew, you know, not waking up, remembering the night before and being told some of the stuff that you supposedly got up to as a young yeah. person. Um, you just go, well, that doesn't sound like me, but I believe you. Um, I have no reason not to. Cause, and, and here's the point is I can't remember. So... <laughs> I'm not in a position. I'm not in a position to say that didn't happen. So in the end, yeah. I just said, no, okay, you're not good with that neither. So so stay away from that. I personally had like like a few drinks, but I think it's best to always have them in moderation. So I won't like ever drink every single day. Like I have it if I'm going out with friends or if I'm just having a nice relaxing day. I have a nice little drink, but not not every single day. So I think you know if you have an addictive personality, it can become a, it can become a problem instantly. I I think that's the danger is is do we have addictive personalities? Because for me, I become pretty heavily obsessed with basketball, and yeah, and I would and I would think. I would think if I didn't make the decision to not drink a long time ago, yeah, I, I would, I would probably. I don't know if I. Well, that's the point. Is I wouldn't want to take the risk. I don't think it's a good. It's a, it's a, it's not worth that. You talk about life risks. I think in my case, knowing where drink could take me to a point that I couldn't remember stuff. I didn't like that thought. Like I didn't like not being in control of my own processes. And if that's yeah. what drink. To me then that's dangerous okay now if you see it as dangerous that's fair enough it's good that you've you've understood that that you think okay this is danger let me take a step back and reevaluate this and just choose not to do it yeah it became easier to say no yeah. um my mates didn't stop ringing me every week to, to say do you want to party this weekend i i would turn around and say to them how how about we do it this way how about i know you go partying every weekend how about i ring you guys if I want to go partying and that saves you ringing me and me saying no. Did you ever ring him in the end? No. You stayed strong. Yeah, so in the end, I, I didn't actually... The funny thing is I never went into it with them. I never sort of said, oh, this is why I've stopped. I just made the decision and then told them, you know, I'm not partying with you guys this weekend because I just don't want to. And they they were happy with They didn't care. I think they just they just ring the next person, you know, like, oh, who's going to come yeah. out tonight? So, yeah, and that's youth. And I think we, again, another common human experience. I don't think, and, and by the way, have no problems with other people drinking alcohol. I, I don't, I don't yeah. think I would be good on it. Um, well, yeah. certainly wasn't at a young age, you know. I didn't well I did well <laughs> I was gonna say I didn't drink that much <laughs> enough to realize that it potentially could be a problem so um yeah. so yeah I think that's self-discipline to know that it, you know it might not be for me by the way I was relatively grounded individual and sporty as you you know obviously I like basketball but so so there was other factors you know about health and stability and just just common sense growing up and I think a lot of people do do that I don't I know a lot of people that party with me at a young age that that ended up being like me a couple of years later where they just weren't doing it anymore no that's good i mean it's sort of a matter of growing some people still like to drink when they're older some people just cut it out completely it's just it's still all to do with the individual and what their experiences are and what do you think about when you're by yourself Poof. 
But well, don't I think about it. <laughs> it's just something that instantly pops into your head. Nothing. Look, business is one of the main things that I'm driven by. So my my ideas are always flowing around business and what I can do to just create stuff and do what's next. Like always asking myself what's next. And I think having purpose and keeping myself busy is something that is 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 something that I think if I didn't have that, I would probably <laughs> that's probably what I turned to drink. Like, like it's 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 serious. Like, um, I can't remember the phrase. You know, the common saying about idle hands. Um, you got to keep yourself busy. And I think one of the beauties of my personality type has been right from a very young age. I've always filled filled my hours with things that I love to do. Yeah, you've always kept yourself busy. Yeah, I think that's the core for me. Is is in thinking and what I think about in my quiet times is a lot of stuff because I'm always pondering what's next in 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 regards to everything I do. It's like yeah. like there's not a moment that I'm not thinking about my business. I've got businesses, so that I'm not thinking about those. And and by the way, I think if I had kids and family, that would probably be a completely different focus. So I think that, again, my businesses are my babies. And sometimes that makes me feel like they, they're like, because I have multiple sort of interests. Yeah. I feel like I have kids because they all deserve a degree of attention. And it's just trying to work out which one gets your attention at any one moment. And that's that's how my most of my quiet time is spent is thinking about aspects of what I'm doing um, in my day-to-day you know, business life. Ah, okay, okay. So your mind is obviously very like businessy. So what do you think of like when you wake up? Is it just instant? Okay, what business am I, am I going to be doing today, or is it something else? No, normally I walk straight. I make a cup of tea. I'm a huge tea drinker. <laughs> really. <laughs> A lot of my, that's my addiction actually. Your addiction is tea. <laughs> I used to, and I, I like to think I'm not up around. I, actually, I wouldn't be, but I'll, I'll explain why. But at one <laughs> point there, I, I shared a house with some friends, and and um, when I see them, they say, You're still drinking 18 cups of tea a day. <laughs> it's like, it's like uh, actually, it's not as much as that these days, but um, it's certain. I used to make pots of tea, see? So, I, I, you know, it wouldn't be uncommon for me to have three cups of tea in one sitting just to empty the pot. So, damn, that's a lot of tea. <laughs> yeah, so, so, yeah, so that, yeah, I come straight into my office. And the funny thing is, is my favorite room in my house, because I work from home, so yeah. the core of it. And then I go out and do the jobs that I need to do. <laughs> I, uh, I, this, this is my favorite room in the house. I love it. I, 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 if I'm not, when I'm in here doing and creating and just working away and planning and, you know, I have a whiteboard here that's just full of stuff. That's the other thing is this whiteboard, like it, it never, it's, it's, it's like a um, perpetual whiteboard. It's never without anything written on it. And I think that's the thing. And I don't look at it a lot. Funnily enough, as I write the stuff down, I don't look at it. And then I go back like a few weeks later and I cross a whole heap of stuff off that I've done. And then I get a whole heap of new stuff to do. And I don't tend to look at it. I just look at it when I'm wiping stuff off and most of it stays in the head to get done. Why do you think we do that? Because a lot of people sometimes they write stuff down but I've seen people as well they don't ever go back to it it's just written down in a book somewhere or on a whiteboard and they leave it like you said until they rub it off why do you think they write it down then if they don't go back to it until they're ready to remove it that's a good question because I I think it's it's interesting I've got two methods so the whiteboard there um it's got my businesses on it and it's got action now is my priorities. So um, I think what it is, is it's it's knowing what you need to do 
um, and writing it down puts a mental marker that, that it's something you've actually indicated is some form of goal or, or objective. But interestingly, I have every piece of paper that I print out that, that doesn't get thrown in the bin becomes a scrap of paper that I write on. And I've got paper written, like I often throw it and discard it. And I write, I'll write on my sheets, my to-do list. Interestingly, I have books. I have like three or four books that are different for different things that I do. And I write in them, I'm writing notes, ideas and things. And sometimes I don't go back to those for a long time neither. And I was going through a book the other day, working out what pages I could tear out of it. But I come across my career goals that I wrote like three years ago, three or four years ago, some new career goals. Ah, okay. And it's funny, it's sitting in front of me here. Um, there's seven career goals on there and of them, three of them I've achieved. And that, and that's without looking at that book for that period for, since I actually wrote it. That That's so really I, interesting that you've actually remembered that, like the, the goals that you actually wanted to achieve and well, the sums that you have achieved. In that process, I actually identified a couple of things there that I no longer see as goals, which was even more intriguing. Oh, it's finding a, it's like finding a, a a letter in a bottle to yourself, like that you forgot you wrote. So that's actually interesting that you've written down these goals, and now some of them they're not even goals to you. That's very interesting. Yeah, you you reassess it and you look at it and you go, is it like I, I was a bit intrigued because some of them for me in the end when I looked at them I thought, did I really write that? So. <laughs> <laughs> it's like did it did i have such ambition um but at the same time i thought that's not something i really want to do now so what was i thinking at the time and but that's the point you ask to come back to your original question you know what do you sort of think about and and when you first wake up you know what's your thought process i think i'm, I'm constantly thinking and that's good like i don't i think it's a healthy thing that I wake up in the morning and my plans is uh, I often do write a to get done list straight away and and that's my, my thing is I write and and I'll grab a piece of paper where the previous one was again reassess is that important what have I done and I'll transfer anything I haven't done onto the new piece of paper so that's just about my process of how I operate so a lot of my ideas end up on paper um, yeah. I've even woken up in the middle of the night and jumped up because I had an idea and <laughs> and I'll run into the office to write it down um, just purely to and then go to bed again because I thought it was a good idea. Sometimes I go back to those and realise that I was just dreaming and it was a bad idea. <laughs> now, sometimes I've done the same when I've had like, uh, but mine hasn't been an idea. Mine's always been like a dream. Like I've had a crazy dream and I'll message it my friends in this group and I'll normally go back to sleep and they're like, what's wrong with you? I'll be like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well, I'll ask you this uh, very last question then. Uh, no, I was talking about goals. Do you have an end goal in life? Not an end goal. I think, because I, I don't think we know when life will end for starters. So, yeah. so yeah. I, don't, I don't know that I have an ultimate goal at the end of what I'm doing. I, I suppose I have multiple goals and I just see life as a journey and journey to be travelled. And I don't know where the destination will be because I think we have this belief we somehow control our destiny, but I don't think that's the case. I, and I, in fact, I know it not to be. Um, and one of the biggest eye-openers I had last year is I actually lost three friends in the space of a year um, and, and, and people that I actually confided in. And um, one individual was kayaking and uh, well, he, I was more me mentoring him and he passed away kayaking. He went missing on a kayak and they later found him the next night, the next morning, or the, well, like within 24 to 48 hour period. And uh, so he passed. 
And then I had a friend who was actually an assistant coach of mine and a man- team manager who passed away in his sleep. Um, that was unexpected. And then I had a friend who had been diagnosed with cancer the previous year, and she's one year younger than me, and she passed last year at the end of the year. And what I came to realise, like, she'd bought this nice house and they sadly, like, she had two daughters and they revamped their house and it was like 14 rooms and an old Queenslander and they spent a lot of time and energy fixing this place up and she was telling me how she's going to buy the house next door and turn it into a bed and breakfast and and I thought they were all great dreams and aspirations to have and you know talking about her children's future and sadly when she was diagnosed with cancer all that was put on hold and she battled with it and lost the fight like those three experiences for me I had lost family members in the past but very far and few between and as now I'm 47 I came to realize that you know you're in in a category now where you start to see those friends and family move on and um, even my parents like I've got both my parents currently but they're getting on and they're constantly telling me what they're giving me stuff already <laughs> so like take yeah. this now like what are you giving me that for so you know I don't you know so this whole concept of death and dying and not knowing our future so i think yeah living a journey and not necessarily knowing what your destination is and just being true to what you enjoy doing so if it's family if it's business if it's sport if it's all of the above i think you've just got a i think it's your journey and your journey alone to work out um and i and i as much as people try and offer you advice i think that they're no clue as clued into the answers to the meaning of life than you are. Okay, I'm, I'm really sorry about the, the loss of your friends as well and their families. Yeah, no, it's, it's a sad thing to experience, but also it allows you to recognise that, that life is fragile. Yeah, li- life is really fragile. I think the older you get, the more you realise that, because obviously when you're younger, you do feel a little bit invincible. And when you're older, you realise stuff is more dangerous especially physically and mentally yeah some things i I believe some things you can control in life others you have no control whatsoever and it's going to happen whether you like it or not yeah i i I think that there's so much unknown in in our day-to-day i mean i just look at the pandemic that's struck the world right now it's ridiculous like crazy you can't plan you can't plan for that like there's people lost their jobs i mean i got with my basketball stuff like there's a period there i couldn't do the basketball and managed to work on on the podcast network because i'm building that so that's just taking time um but but at the end of the day um i had time because of covid to then focus on that so that's that's the advantage of being a person that's self-employed and able to pivot Uh, you know pivot now i'm not making money from that but i certainly didn't have the time that i had during the lockdown period we had here in australia to devote time and energy to that um, business had COVID not hit so 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 I just I pivoted and said okay well I can't do basketball this is my next project let's just focus on, on that and I did some live streaming as well which bolstered my people with a passion podcast because I did live streams here with some basketball coaches and players that I'm connected with um, professional athletes and Australian rep players and things like that so but for me um, it presented the opportunity. And I think that's the point with COVID and, and coming back to the point um, you know, about journeying and goals is that unpredictability of life. I think you just got to do, try and live the best life that you can um, that, that's fulfilling to both you 
um, and others and or not to the de detriment. I think if you want to live a tr truly like selfish life, that's fine as long as it doesn't affect others. And I think that's the advantage of, of me not having a family. I don't think I'd be able to actually execute on some of the stuff I've done if I did. I, I don't know whether people think like me, and that's, um, I'm sure there's some are on the planet, but I, I certainly know that there's people who, who, you know, buy into a lot of the norms that, you know, in the expectations yeah. that people have. One of my my mum's greatest fears, she actually made, this is where I, I, I think differently, I think, is she has mentioned to me in the past that, you know, she said, I want you to find a partner because I don't want you to die alone. Yeah. And, and I'm like, yeah, but you're married to dad and dad could pass tomorrow and you could die alone. And they've been married like over 50 years. So so yeah. I think it's about perspective. And, and that's one of the things I've learned from, from people with a passion, actually interviewing people is everyone has their own truth, that they actually ha have their own truth, that truth is a matter of perspective. So I have this saying now that I say, um, perspective is the foundation of all your truth. That, that we okay. know two people see the world in the same way and and we like to think that think alike but the truth is no one thinks alike we all have our own angle and we all attack things from our own point of view and that's why being a bit more tolerant of each other is probably more important than anything else is because unless you can walk in other people's shoes which is just impossibility you really never get to feel where they're coming from so i think that's something i've tried to do with the people who I've done wrong by who may have then become haters or, or whatever is I've actually pondered where is my part in this and then I've looked at them and thought well how are they perceiving what's going on here to make them react in the way they have now I can't answer that definitively but I certainly think it's important to try and gain a bit more insight into what perspective and justification they may have in like the actions that they take but more importantly I think we're responsible for the actions we take. We have to accept the part that we played in it, yeah. you know, whenever we're in an issue with someone else. And at the same time, I think we have to own that we're not perfect and no one is. And therefore, you know, making sure that when you do disagree with someone, you, know, you can move on from that. And whether that means not being in their circle as well, that's part of it, or whether you can be in their circle um, and just move on from it that that's equally as important i think that's a, a perfect way to end it i mean we have we have we do have similar views especially about like living on your own as well i honestly think that's just a perfect way to end it no worries paul appreciate your time yeah i appreciate yours if you want to tell me about your podcast yeah sure so people with a passion has two seasons both of 20 episodes each it is a youtube podcast but it's also on apple spotify and everything like that there's a lot of b-roll in the actual youtube channel so when i'm interviewing guests they're provided video footage um, it's, it covers all number of topics around people with a passion, obviously, um, and, and, and how they've pursued their purpose or found their purpose in life, um, whether it be financial and or just for the love of, of what they do. There's a lot of people out there that are trying to find purpose in life. So that's what people with a passion is about. It's trying to help them identify some of the ways others have actually managed to do that and hopefully inspire them to go on and do the same. Um, I, I do run, as I said, a portable.net which is a podcast network and we have 10 podcasts on that network currently. They're all Australian, so it is an Australian branded and we have some popular podcasts on there. So that's spelled A-P-P-L-A-U-D-I-B-L-E dot net. 
so people can find um, those podcasts, including people with a passion on there as well. So, and, and ozswish.com is the basketball academy that I run here in uh, Australia. Uh, thank you again for the audience who are listening to the Raw Life podcast. It's been great having you, Craig. We've learned a lot about your life, about cotton artists in the business, how you view life, what's happened in your life. Thanks for your time, Paul. I really appreciate it. And I hope the audience got some value out of what I've said today. And I look forward to hearing this episode and sharing it with uh, my audience. I'll see you on the next episode.